This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Friday and you know what that means. Welcome along to episode 106 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott, your host, and as always, I am joined by Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? Gary, as always, I am fantastic. But you know what? That's not important. Lads, take it away. You know how it goes. Indeed, indeed. In a week, Gavin, that saw hearts falling apart again. This newfangled technology, it's not for us. And it's so Dundee United going down again. What else is there to say, Gav? The famous secure return to European football with the very real possibility of guaranteed group stage football for the first time since the 2007-2008 season. It's going to be a, not that busy, but probably a little bit chaotic one on the ABZFP this week because of time constraints. This is not going to be as edited and as smooth as it normally is. We're going to look back over Wednesday evening's huge 3-0 win over St. Mary at Pataudry. And after the break, we'll preview Saturday's the Dons wrap up the league campaign the same way it started with a visit to Celtic Park. But first, Aberdeen 3, St. Mary 0, Wednesday, 24th of March, 2023. Pataudry Stadium in the cinch. Three huge changes 
for the Dons is Barry Robson welcome back Ross McCrory and Duke from injury alongside captain Graham Shinney as he returned from his four-game suspension. Fuck the SFA. Dropping out of the side were Connor Barron, Jaden Richardson and Marley Watkins all going to the bench. Matty Kennedy, Dylan Mercandy and Patrick Mislovich all out of the matchday squad. The coin toss leading to the Dons attacking the beach end in the first half as St Mirren named an unchanged starting eleven from their side that drew 2-2 at Parkhead on Saturday. A fairly competitive but non-eventful opening period burst into life on 14 minutes. Johnny Hayes' bursting run forward after intercepting a slack Shaughnessy pass was curtailed with a crude foul, foul by Kilty just outside the box. And who else but Leighton Clarkson stepped up and curled home a delightful free kick up and over the wall, nestling low in Carson's goal to give the Dons the lead and settle any burgeoning nerves. Shinny then firing a hooked volley over the bar from inside the box before Scales did well to win a header at the back post from a Hayes free kick, only to see his header blocked a corner. Saints then created their best two chances of the half in quick succession. Smalls cross, finding Main. His header touched over by Roos, and then Main again finding himself with a free header from the resulting corner, but his effort sailed wide. Some great hassling by Clarkson won the ball in the midfield on 29 minutes, and when the ball broke to Miofsky, he was crocked by an awful over-the-ball challenge from Small. I was going to say unbelievably, but is it that unbelievable? Referee Don Robertson and his assistant only adjudging the tackle to have been a booking in real time. Thankfully, the VAR called Robertson over to take another look and Small was off. Boyamiowski having to leave the park on a stretcher. More on that later. Marley Watkins replacing him. And it should have been 2-0 to the Dons on 36 minutes. Rambadani with a bursting counter-attack and he slipped in Duke, but his shot was straight at Carson who gathered at the second attempt with, McCro- with McCrory prowling. It was 2-0 though just before halftime. Rambadani again breaking through the midfield. His three ball to Watkins forcing the Welshman wide and his cross was deflected goalwards by Shaughnessy. Carson doing well to stop it, but the ball spun up beautifully for an on-rushing Shinny to nod into an empty net. And just as the crowd were settling from that one, the news broke from Ibrox that Cantwell had equalised for Sevco against Hearts and the Dons went off at half-time in the knowledge that they were halfway there into the second half. Shinny again making sure of the points with his second of the game. Great interplay down the right flank, saw McCrory and Duke link up before Ramadani was played down the line. His cutback found Shinny, who took a touch to steady himself before firing low past Carson. And with the news from Ibrox that Sakala had just scored, the red touch paper was truly lit. The main nearly capitalising on a rare mishap in the Dons' defence with Scales and McDonald got in each other's way, but Kelry stopped the one-on-one effort and then stared down the Dons' reject afterwards for good measure. Ramadani offered Baron on 71 minutes. Duke replaced by Babbage on 75 as the Dons saw this one out comfortably. Watkins should have made it four with a couple of minutes remaining after being played in by Clarkson. But his curling effort flashed wide and it didn't matter. Though a late goal from Ibrox for Cool made for a nervy last couple of minutes. But when it was all said and done, the Dons had done it with a game to spare. European football guaranteed. And with the high likelihood of Celtic winning the Scottish Cup, a Europa League playoff berth, likely secured with the fallback of guaranteed group stage football in the Europa Conference League. On the data front, possession 60% for the Dons to 40% for the visitors. Shots 15 to 6. Shots on target 5 to 2. Expected goals 1.52 for Aberdeen to not 0.7 for St Mirren. Gav, it's done. It felt like a cup final all day yesterday in the run-up to kick off with the added complication. We couldn't just rely on our own performance and when the news filtered in that Hearts had gone a goal up in the first minute at Ibrox, I started to feel the worst, I'm not going to lie. But as it all played out, we've done it. We finished third. Your initial thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I shared your concern, your fears when I saw the Rangers lineup. Uh, we'd built up the whole week that, you know, Rangers have been in very good form. They'd want to see off the season in, in style. And then I saw the lineup. I saw that they'd included the the before picture in, you know, an average before and after Herbalife substance, you know, uh, MLM scheme Instagram post up front. And then obviously, like you say, when they go, when hearts go 1-0 up, uh, definitely, definitely start to get a little bit concerned. Uh, that's exacerbated the fact that I thought it was quite a scrappy initial 15 minutes uh, where Sintman brought what I expected they would bring. Um, it became almost instantly clear that Duke was not uh, fully himself, fully fit. Um, and you know that they're going to have players that are going to be desperate to come up here and win. But for when we get the first goal from Clarkson and then when they go into 10 men, we capitalize, we get the second goal pretty soon afterwards. I felt, you know, incredibly comfortable. And, you know, there's been a lot of drama in football the last few weeks in, in like the English playoffs and the Scottish playoffs and all that kind of good stuff. So to get it all done in a relatively stress-free uh, way was hugely appreciated. And like everyone, I'm just delighted that we've been able to take our team back into Europe. We'll go into the game itself in a little bit more detail. We'll look at some of the players, the key players in the game. But um, before we do that, talk about a clear and present demonstration about just how much we missed Ross McCrory and Graham Shinney in particular over the last few games. I don't think it will come as a surprise to anyone um, how much they've been they've been missed. Um, they have that extra element in their in their game in their character that you know no one else in our squad I think has really just that that tenacity, that will to win. Um, on an occasion like this for Graham, she needed to be coming in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, uh, a point to prove to, you know, see uh, a little bit almost of like justice having missed the last four games for reasons. Um, it was, yeah, it was a massive, they, they drove us, they drove us on into into winning the game. And we've we've struggled um we struggled in the first half of the season in a lot of games with it. a player like Shinny in midfield we've you know Ross McCoy's been a victim of his own versatility um for the third season in a row um we've not been able to get him i think where we all feel would be his best position but from since he's switched into that right wing back role he's always a presence he's always a threat he's always going to give the opposition players something to think about um i, I thought that Graham Shinney especially, I thought was just a different class. And when he's on the pitch, you can feel the the connection from the fans to the team. It rises up um, because at the end of the day, like the song goes, he's one of our own. Should just point out, I've just realised I didn't mention the fact that Graham's not with us tonight. Graham can't be with us tonight, but he is just as excited and just as exuberant as the rest of us. Um, oh, yeah. He is looking at his budgie smugglers as we speak. He absolutely is. On to refereeing quickly. Once again, despite the win, the big dampener is the injury to Boya Miofsky. Um, it's a terrible, terrible tackle on him in the first place. In my view, I tweeted out at halftime yesterday. It's one that's facilitated by the fact that the referee, Don Robertson, let a few tackles from St. Mirren go in that opening period, which were, in my eyes, verging on the wild side of robust. Let them go with no punishment earlier in the game. If he clamps down early on some of those tackles, I don't think we see the tackle from small take place. And then to cap it all off, the fact that he then misses it in real time, um, as does his linesman, I should say, standing only a couple of yards away, is also unreal. And for once, though, for us, VAR actually does its job 
properly. I I've gone back and watched it, and I've I've looked at Don Robertson's position when the the fell takes place, and you know benefit the doubt. Okay, for sure. What there's maybe there's bodies in the way. The linesman is standing, like you say, yards away with a clear, unobstructed view of it. I I feel that even more so than in the past, like linesmen, linesmen now to me feel almost like irrelevant mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, offsides are now going to just be judged retrospectively anyway. Correct, and they're even more reluctant to sort of step in and do their job of assisting the referee so how he's missed it is how probably often the do you even see now throw-ins for example the well, doesn't make a decision the he waits for the referee to decide what's happening there was a moment in i can't remember if it was the first or second half but it was the second we, half i know the one you mean we got, we got a throw-in robertson looks to the linesman linesman looks the other way and then robertson gives it and then about three seconds later the linesman's like yeah that way so i I, to be I, fair I, to the assistant, maybe he was dreaming about the donor kebabs from last night because they were a very, 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 very tasty thing. Although I did see a um, highly respected STV presenter putting tomato sauce on his one. I'm not even sure if Chris would class himself as being highly respected, but never mind. Um, I'm being very generous. <laughs> I'm in that kind of mood, but that was like an Alan Gray approach to cuisine it really was it really was um the chili sauce by the way inside them just mm, beautiful little tingle on them lovely stuff anyway back to the the referee back to the point yeah i think that is if we talk about regurgitated meat then don robertson (laughs) i think that it is definitely a case of a team being emboldened to roughhouse to put in those kind of challenges feeling that they're probably going to get away from it or they've been you know they've taken encouragement it's not the first time that a team that are largely influenced by Motherwell have offered up that kind of uh, robustness, I think, back to years and years ago when Keith Lasley fucking committed GBH on Fraser Fivey um, off the back of some advice from there, from his manager. So um, not surprised. And yeah, it's the responsibility. You know, I think this is maybe overlooked the referee's duty of care to the players that are on the pitch um he's don robertson has not protected them that's as uh, simple as that with regards to you know giving the yellow card i mean sure whatever um at least at least they've made him go and look at it again and once you see it it's a clear as day it's a, a minor miracle to me that it's not an ankle breaker um and we'll see in good time what kind of damage has in fact been done but um hopefully yeah. obviously for ourselves and for boy Amyowski, it's not as bad as one would I've thought, having looked at the initial uh, videos that were surfacing on Twitter last night. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is, obviously, he was still in the dressing room after the game last night uh, in a protective boot. Doesn't look as though it's a break, uh, which he confirmed last night. But then, sometimes with these things, ligament damage can be harder to get over than an actual clean break can be. So, fingers crossed um, for Boya, and he's able to get recovered from that nice and quickly and be back in, hopefully, some sort of uh, fitness ahead of pre-season or in pre-season and and ready to start the new season. Oh, no, on a side note... Maybe not the worst thing that happened to us. It might mean that some potential suitors for Boyamovsky are put off in the short term, and it guarantees that Macedonian striker will be here uh, in the summer. Unless there are other recruitment departments out there that quite fancy players with long-term serious injuries. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Southampton. I don't know. Um, let's uh, let's let's talk more positively then um, from from last night. Kelrus, another clean sheet for the big man. That's his thirteenth of the campaign. Second only now to Joe Hart for clean sheets in the league, which again, um, if you think back to where we were uh, after the 6-0 defeat at Easter Road uh, in January, 
that in itself seems scarcely believable. He also now leads the league on save percentages, 74.5%, and on goals presented, 3.4%. In fact, he's the only goalkeeper who's played over 80% of the available minutes to him to even be in positive numbers on goals prevented in the league this season. So he's been an absolute colossus since his return from injury in particular. A couple of good stops yesterday. The one-on-one with Maine, for me, the pick of the bunch, purely because of his standing over the top of him after making it. More of that, please. Um, One thing, and I touched on it, I think it was this morning on Twitter, it might have been last night, the key save out of everything that's happened in the last few weeks is probably the penalty stop from Kevin Nisbet against Hibbs. Because when you look back now in retrospect, with the results last night, if he doesn't save that penalty, we're going into a three-way battle for third on Saturday. And I'm not entirely sure I would have fancied our chances to come out on that. Um, Although in saying that, Celtic do appear to have completely down tools, so who knows? Something I don't think we would have even dreamed of saying in January. Do we need to possibly now worry about keeping a hold of Kelrus? He only signed a two-year deal uh, when he joined. And his numbers, and we know how much numbers play a role in uh, recruitment these days, have been phenomenal now this season. Yeah, I would not have thought in, I mean, never mind January, October, November kind of time, suggesting that Kel Roos as a, a viable candidate for one of the standout players of the season. But um, since he's come back in from injury, he has just been colossal is, is the perfect word. I mean, we've said it from almost the minute we laid eyes on him that Kel Roos, if you were to create a perfect goalkeeper in a, in a laboratory, he wouldn't look too different from Kelrus, just in terms of the sheer uh, physicality that the guy has. Um, and he's always been, you know, a good shot stopper, but just everything is coming together um, in such an important way. You talk about the penalty save, but I mean, just all the other saves he made in that game with Hibbs that deny them from winning the game um, against Simon. And, you know, while I don't think there was anything necessarily he had to like overstretch himself to, to achieve, you know, he still kept out that main header in the first half. There's the save and the one-on-one, which is a, I think it's, I think it is three nil at the time, but still, it's a, it's a guy that's Pride determined. Sheet, isn't it? It's you a know? guy determined to, yeah, keep a clean sheet. And then it's that little act of defiance that you see afterwards when he stares Curtis Main down. Um, you know, he's just been, he's been great, and he's at a very good age for a goalkeeper. Should be coming into his prime. Um, I would be making a conversation with him. An absolute priority right now as far as extending that contract um the good thing that I, I get the impression of is that he has enjoyed his time in Aberdeen especially since he's come back into the team and you know he's had a, a career where he's been a little bit of a figure of ridicule um he's come to us with with various nicknames that we've co-opted and adapted into our own hi Andy <laughs> but he's been but yeah since he's come back in and he's created this real relationship with the back three especially it's just been night and day and i would be desperate right now to extend his contract liam scales i thought last night he was outstanding up against curtis main for the vast majority of the game because i felt main kept on trying to pull on to him certainly for aerial challenges and that's somewhere we've we've suffered in the past it's maybe been something with liam scales that we maybe doubted a little bit is his um physicality but I thought he was excellent against Curtis Main um, last night. There was the one mishap between him and McDonald's in the second half. Apart from that, an excellent performance again from Scales. We're going to come on, I think, later on to talk about the loan players, but that's Liam Scales' final game for Aberdeen as, as it stands right now. Obviously, ineligible to play on Saturday because of the Adam Montgomery rule. 
Um, what, what do you think of his performance last night? We'll come up and talk about the players, I think, in more detail when we do our end of season review stuff over the next few weeks. But just last night's performance from Liam Scales. Um, yeah, 100% agree. Um, I think I, it didn't surprise him that Curtis Main did continue to try and peel onto him. Uh, I don't think he's going to get any change out of Pollock, especially, or Angus McDonald. And I would probably, if I was, you know, Curtis Main and had the sort of traps and delts that he does, that's Liam Scales is probably the one that I'd be looking at and thinking he's my best, uh, my best target. It wasn't even so much that Scales tried to engage him physically because I think he probably recognized that he wouldn't be able to win that battle, but he just had the awareness and the anticipation to just every time get in front, not allow Curtis Main to turn it into a physical battle. And then just everything else that he did with the ball, um, covering, I thought he was very, very good. Um, if this is to be the, the final time we see him, then I think all in all, I think we've had more good from Liam Skills than we than we haven't, especially again since he switched into that left side yeah. of the back three position. Um, and yeah, there'll be a as as we've seen, you know, there's a lot of prize money potentially coming our way, and it'll be interesting to see what we do as far as utilizing that money and if Liam Skills is going to be a priority. Paul McDonald, I thought, did what Paul McDonald have done since they came in last night. I saw somebody tonight, and uh, apologies, I can't remember who it was that said this on Twitter. Um, but I did like this. It was this, the idea that Matty Pollock has played for us not like a lone player. He's played for us like he's one of our own players right the way through his time here at Aberdeen, which was tremendous to see. I have a sneaky suspicion out of all the lone players, he might be the one that we find hardest to get back again next season. And I think it felt that way last night as well. Um, Angus McDonald is obviously going to be here for, for next season, so that bit is done and dusted. But their performances last night is part of that back three. They have just been revelations since the moment they came in at the club. Um, McDonald is a a very good defender and a much better footballer than than he'd been given credit for, um, especially by his by his previous club. And Matty Pollock, I mean, this guy has got everything in the bag to go and be a really good defender at a really good level. Um, and yeah, it it's that thing. It's this thing that we found with. Um, with Michael Hector, with Shea Logan, these guys that come in with with no affiliation to Scottish football, never mind Aberdeen um, itself. And when they come in, you've just you've seen almost every game what playing for Aberdeen has meant to Matty Pollock. And at the end of the game, he gives himself that little extra time to to bid what felt like a farewell for sure. Um, it will surprise me if Watford are not looking at him as a player that they can use in their squad. If they thought Ryan Porteous was worth money, yeah, exactly, yeah. an infinitely better defender than Ryan Porteous. So, but then again, it'll depend on who Watford have as manager next season. I guess. Yeah, they have already appointed somebody already, haven't they, for next season? And for the life of me, I can't remember who it is. Some jabroni who'll be gone in September. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, it was nice to touch when Paul Kim McCrory came back out as well after the fine after everything kind of settled down, came back out to the ultras. Um, and he seems as well like a really central figure, Paul in particular, to the dressing room. Um, yeah. Which is which is also something you really need is is that level of character and the dressing. But again, we'll touch about the lone players later on. I think. I think all I say is like, given that they were kind of thinking on our feet, almost you know, reinforcements, emergency signings, almost. Well, they felt last minute. Dot com. They arrived very late in the window. Um, we've seen, we've had our fingers burned with that kind of signing, plenty of times in the past for them to come in and. I don't think there's probably games that they've played not as well, but I can't think of a single game where either of them have played badly. And they've yeah, been, I think that's fair. And, and they've been critical to this this turnaround, which is, you know, still feels a little bit hard to believe. 
Well, it turns out it touches on the the Kel Roos thing, doesn't it? As well, as, are we seeing a goalkeeper now as well who's got so much more confidence in the front line ahead of, in the defensive line in front of him that that breeds confidence for him as well that he's not you know feeling completely overexposed all the time. Um, mm-hmm. These things all come they gel together, don't they? We see we you know we saw it from the Gothenburg celebrations about just how critical the relationship between Leighton, Miller, and McLeish is. Um, we've seen the same I think now between Roos, McDonald, and Pollock. It's it's been sensational. Have you finished sneezing now? You, no, not quite. The allergies of Aberdeen like doing successful things are just getting to Gav as it turns out. Ross McCrory came back into the team last night. Um, I've seen some people, um, and I must admit there was a little bit of this crossed my mind as well around the fact that there was a decision made for him to go and have that small hernia operation at what appeared to be a slightly inopportune time to do it and was there a view of this move to Bristol City um, ahead of him and wanting that cleared up so he could have a full run of pre-season I mean at the end of the day I can't imagine the club would have sanctioned him going off to get that operation unless they felt it was absolutely necessary at that moment in time Um, McCrory's been a guy who still seems to attract levels of criticism I think sometimes amongst the Aberdeen support Um, I think you're right with what you said earlier on he's been probably a victim of his own versatility to be fair if that's the last we saw Ross McCrory at Pataudry last night, uh, not a bad way for him to sign off. And it just feels a shame that maybe we found the position for Ross McCrory all along. And it's kind of, we've stumbled into it with six months to go and he's he's going to depart. And then I'll be interested to see where he's uh, positioned at Bristol City. Indeed, yes. Um, if that's, if this is indeed the, the last time we see him, and I think there's probably decent enough reason to believe that it is, um, I thought he showed flashes of why he is probably such a sought after sought after footballer um you know his just his power with his running and his pace is is enough and then you know he's he's a good footballer you know that little marseille turn in the first half oh i was waiting to bring that up yeah pretty goddamn sensational um if he's gonna make a career as a right wing back you know i think he could work a little bit on his final ball there's a moment in the second half when there's opportunities to cross the ball and he sort of slices one well wide yeah, in a pretty tame fashion, but um, I, yeah, I would, I'd be intrigued to know how many, like, what the longest sequence of games is where Ross McCrory played in one position. It's probably centre half, but even then, there'll be it a might, variety because there'll it, be the right side of a left, right yeah. side of a three. There'll be right, there'll be left side of a two. You know, he's um, yeah, he's been used and abused by you know, by various managers in the three years he's been here. Um. I, and if the if the fee is what we're led to believe, I'm a little bit of the view that we are being shortchanged, personally speaking, given his age and how long he's got left on his deal. Yeah, he's contracted one... until 2026, isn't he? He's still with three years in his deal left to go, I think. Yeah, so... and I think that when he signed that new deal, and it was being the length it was, that did surprise me somewhat. So I do wonder if there was maybe a clause put in there of the nature of if a team comes from England, then this is the fee and... That's how it all kind of works out. But um, yeah, if it's to be last time, I don't think we really ever saw the best of him simply because we didn't allow him to settle into any kind of rhythm in any position. But I think all in all, yeah, much like Liam Scales, we've gotten a lot more good at Ross McCrory than than bad. So salute. Elba Ramadani. Given uh, <laughs> there was a moment in the second half where the uh, paparazzi song was happening and Gav nearly joined in but didn't quite go for it I saw you tapping your foot given way more freedom yesterday to do the things he's good at doing with Graham Shinney alongside him pressed 
harried the Saints team all game long. Often he was the one charging the goalkeeper, for example. Plays a massive part in the second and third goals uh, by breaking through the lines. Still a little bit touched slack in his passing, but vastly improved from his last two outings. And it just goes to show, though, the thing about Graham Shinney, and we'll talk about Graham Shinney later on, about how much he brings out the best and the players are alongside him as well because of the role that he plays in the team. Well, I mean, first of all, he couldn't have played much worse <laughs> than the previous two games. So uh, let's get that out there. Um, yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree that, yeah, maybe being there with Shinny, because that obviously allows us to then have Leighton Clarkson like, actually occupy that that midfield kind of quarterback role and it does just allow him to yeah be that um kind of all action combative player that um that we know and he's uh, obviously just he's full of running i feel that with either connor Barron or ryan duncan in the team it's been a little bit more akin to when you know we had clarkson Barron, ramadani in the middle earlier in the season maybe there's just an uncertainty of what it is that he needs to do um i think he's still got a lot of improving to do um especially if we're gonna kick on from from this season and um have you know a decent run in europe but um yeah i think you're absolutely right that that's that role that the more advanced role where it's just all about being kind of an all-action midfielder uh definitely suits him um in comparison to being that kind of screen where i do feel that his weaknesses uh will often put us in danger so uh if nothing else oh, golf clapping over great engine never stops He's he has been. I know, Gav. You've 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 had your doubts, but he's been a positive acquisition in the side this season. That's undeniable. <laughs> Gav's given the shaky hand. Six, okay. six, six out of ten. Oh, oh, disgusting stuff. Um, Duke didn't really look fit at all. Always think, provided a threat, and I think though, as it turns out, the gamble not to risk him at Tynecastle, but to go for him last night was the right one. I think we talked about it. I think he was there on the pitch as much for his name as anything else, just because St. Moon will know what he is capable of doing. So you have to pay attention to him. Um, you wouldn't dare leave uh, Duke unattended. But uh, yeah, clearly, clearly not his, not himself, um, not fully fit, not capable of that, that um, Bugatti Veyron style acceleration. Uh, his not 63 is still something I've never seen um, at Pataudry. Um But, you know, and, and the thing is, I, I suspect that our plan was not to play him as long as we did. But also when Boyanovsky goes down, um, yeah. there's kind of, has, you sort of have to leave him on for an extended period of time. Um, I thought he grew into the game as as it went on. And, you know, he's obviously an important player in the in the third goal, um, having the awareness to, to play the ball into Ramadani. So, yeah. Not not the Duke that we've known and grown to love, but still still put in a performance. Let's just talk about Duke Camp though after the match. Um what a specimen. So there's a few lads in there that are, you know <laughs> Im- impressive impressive individuals wouldn't looked out of, wouldn't have looked out of place in a in an early nineties locker room in the WWF. Somebody yeah, somebody is gonna have to throw. If you're gonna if you're gonna take video footage for social media, which involves the squad attempting to sing along to a terrorist song, they should probably learn the words. That's all I'm going to say. Just a, a, a side note. A, a real dampener on the evening, I thought. Never mind. Um, Marley Watkins came on for Boyomiowski. 
I thought Watkins did really well, actually, for the majority of the game. Should have scored late on to make it four. But that's the kind of performance from Marley Watkins that makes me go maybe worth another year. Um, I thought Marley Watkins was one of the better players against Hearts, especially in the first half. Um, I think I agree. I think he played well against Simeon. Um, if he is prepared to stay here on almost like a year by year basis and accept being, you know, a squad player, the the first sub every week. Then sixtieth the minute. <laughs> then then I'm okay with that. I mean, it's one of them where it's like, do you settle and or do you try and you know kick on and improve the squad all around? But then again, we're Aberdeen and we don't have the budget necessarily to do that. You know what and you're going to get with, with the new Davy dollars that are coming in this summer. Um, it's just that thing is like, it's that little thing where like that opportunity at the end where it's like he should score, but it's Marley Watkins yeah. and you kind of know that. You probably won't so it's it, it it's a hard I, again i wouldn't be making this necessarily um my first job once um no. once the actions finished at celtic park at the weekend is getting marley watkins on a one-year deal but um would i keep him around i think you know what we're gonna need bodies especially you, in the first half of next season so yeah. if we're talking about you know maybe a a game yeah. when we're out of it and we have to go and travel to i don't know georgia would he be the worst player to have in available to you in that situation? Probably not. So, yeah. Um, shaky hand well last night. Shaky hand again. I would. Did yeah, well I, last I'd night. probably keep it around. And yeah, I thought I thought he played well. I need. Like I said, I thought he played well against Hearts. Yeah. Okay. Right. Leighton Clarkson. I'm not telling you what else we can say about this wee guy. Um, an incredible performance by him last night. Full of energy, hassling, tackling, mixed in with the obvious technical ability that he's always had since since he's joined us. A truly wonderful way f- for him to finish off his season with that free kick. Um, nicely bookends his current spell with the club, uh, uh, a sensational goal against St. Mirren to introduce him to us. Hopefully not a sensational free kick to close out his time with us. Um, he's probably been done a little bit of a dirty here because of his captain last night and his performance, but he was unreal last night, Leighton Clarkson, wasn't he? Um, I'm going to let you into my uh, inner monologue and this is why no one should take my opinion on football seriously <laughs> as he was lining up the free kick I actually thought to myself why does Leighton Clarkson get automatic first choice for free kicks I mean he's only scored <laughs> one I mean it was absolutely sensational but he's only scored one <laughs> and then he steps up and you know it's got a little bit of the James Madison's about it because it, it clips the post uh, yeah, on, yeah. on its way in Um, I think last night encapsulates everything about Leighton Clarkson as far as the player we got versus the player that we now have who's just improved immeasurably in every single aspect of his game. Even it's that little moment that leads to, unfortunately, the the, the challenge on Boyamiowski. You know, he picks the ball up in a tight space, nutmegs an opponent, and then he's like strong enough to hold off another opponent who comes in, steaming in. Um, and then it's just he's all action. You know, he's he's willing to snap into tackles and put himself in situations that we were reliably told by Liverpool fans or Blackburn fans that he just would not relish. He has been the absolute antithesis of the charlatan from Newcastle that we had last season. And if, I mean, my initial view going into the game was like, you know, don't be sad that it's ending. Or no, don't be sad. What's the, what's the expression? Don't be sad that it's ending. Just be glad that it happened. Just be glad that it happened. That was my initial feeling. And then he goes ahead and teases at the very end. 
well right well we talk about this now because i was going to leave it to listeners corner because people asked about it right but we should just go for it now um there's been rumors which we've heard for a little while now that the dons were trying to get something done for clarkson for next season um and hopefully on a more permanent footing than that another loan um we're recording now at half past eight on uh what's this thursday night as soon as he did the video afterwards, it was like, oh, wait, hang on. And then the winky face tweet afterwards, you know, oh, there's something definitely going on here. Even Express has been important tonight about the fact we're trying to get it done. Now, the rumor mill, the rumor and innuendo will suggest that there is a permanent deal agreed with Liverpool for Leighton Clarkson. It's up to the player now to make a decision about what he wants to do. Um, he's got other offers on the table. Um the Dons have done, of course, now this is like the like the wildest cock teasing that our football club have ever done, I think, by putting out a interview with or, or a wee snippet of an interview with Leighton tonight, but then you'll have to see it next week for the full thing. Now, why would we wait a whole week before putting that footage out, methinks? Um if we can get Leighton Clarkson to come here on a permanent transfer, um, how much would you be willing to spend on this? Because in my eyes, this probably verges into club record transfer fee territory, I would imagine. Um, I wonder if there may be some jiggery-pokery going on with Liverpool around maybe, I don't know, a Calvin Ramsey sell-on fee renegotiation, for example, in order to make it happen um, this way. If we could get him, what? how big a huge thing that actually would be and what sort of statement of intent is that for next season if we could make it come together? Um, Leighton Clarkson could go and be a standout player for Celtic if they took him up on that option. So if, if he was to come and play for Aberdeen again, because I think this kid can go very, very far in the game. And I, I think he could have gone from, from Liverpool to a really good top top flight team on the on the continent. If we can get him as our own player and use him if it's even again for another year and then stand to benefit at the end with what I believe would be a significant, possibly, club record fee for him. I think if he puts in a twelve months, the same twelve months he's put in now, or slightly elevated, and he does it in Europe, it easily eclipses the Calvin Ramsey fee. The thing that we're going to have in our in our in our favor there is that he knows he's going to come play for a manager. Absolutely yep. knows how to use him and how to get the best out of him. And you know you can tell that there's um, a genuine affection between him and the supporters and he's going to have an opportunity to go next year and put himself in an even greater shop window than he would if he goes and plays for i don't know west bromwich albion in the championship so um based on what we've seen if if we could get him and i'm not letting myself get my hopes up because it's the hope that kills you as we all know but if we could get him it would be signing of the season yeah, I mean, the, the the chart we've had is that it's practically going to be down to Clarkson himself, I think. Um, has other opportunities, other offers on the table, possibly even with more wages. Um, I think we're probably going to have to break our wage structure to make it happen or certainly go to the very top end of it. Um, but I, I, I'm of the same view of you. I think Leighton Clarkson walks into any other team in the league, including Celtic, I think. I think he had... Or, Postacoglu likes to rotate around his players so you know I think he'd be a first team player at Celtic I think he'd be a natural replacement for somebody like Aaron Moy for example if they decide that he's maybe getting on a bit he would provide some creative spark for them in games where they may be struggling against a low block for example um, 
he easily walks into the, the the Sevco team as it stands at the moment. And then from that point onwards, he, he's clearly walking into every other team in the league. There are parallels for me a little bit with Dylan Levitt at uh, United. United were obviously able to persuade him to join up. I mean, let's not forget, like it's, it's all funny now because of the fact United were relegated. But Levitt is a Welsh international. He's pushing. He was pushing to get into the Welsh. World Cup squad, he made the decision to leave uh, Manchester United and, and go back to Dundee United, despite the fact he probably had a different or other options on the table as well. So I don't necessarily think that a lot of players now who come up here and enjoy their time here necessarily look on it as being a, a step down, to be honest with you. I think a lot of players get surprised when they come up here as to the actual level that they need to reach. And I think, and we've said it a number of times already before, but I think Leighton Clarkson recognises this as well. I think he's a better player now than he was when he came here because I think, and I certainly think that after Barry Robson's taken charge because it's all the things that we didn't expect. We see early in Clarkson that have really come to the fore in the last three, four months. Yeah, entirely agree. And the the other good thing is that he knows that come to Aberdeen, do well. There are clubs all over Europe looking at as, you know, the potential to get to, you know, maybe even get himself back into a Premier League club or go to Serie A, La Liga, it's all there, um, and he can do it at a club where he's just absolutely adored. Graeme Shinney, is there much more to say about the man? Um, um, no, I, I love him, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> there was something deeply fitting, wasn't there, about the fact that it was he who effectively fired us into Europe, given it was he who had been shafted out of playing in any of our post-split games after that barcicle decision that uh, Ross County... He played like a man possessed, to be fair. To top it off, two goals. Just magic. The, the the speed at which he ran to celebrate the second goal, I reckon you put him in a 100-meter race with Usain Bolt. Peak Usain Bolt. <laughs> and Graham Shinney's winning that with a knee slide at the end. Um, I mean, you say he played like a man possessed. He played like Graham Shinney. Like a man possessed? Like a man possessed. Um, I, I just love him. I don't have anything else to say. I, I loved him in his first spell when he came here. Um, I remember watching him after about three games at left back and deciding that this kid is far too good to play left back. And then he went to centre midfield. Oh, he's never looked back. Um, and I loved him when he came back in January. And it looked like for a little bit there that it was going to be a really sour uh, second spell at Aberdeen, um, given the Darvold results yep. and the Edinburgh results and the, the trajectory of the club um, I think it was an inspired decision from Barry Robson to make him captain again and you know he he brings that that level of just uh, there's a will to win within Graham Shinney that will bring his teammates along with him and he brings the supporters along with him um, you can see from the second the third goal what scoring for Aberdeen means to him what success for this club means to him and if there's any justice in this world, um, he will be our captain once again next season when we're in Europe. Well, there, there would be something fitting about this as well. And obviously we have to premise this all the time with the fact that um, Celtic have to win the Scottish Cup still for this to all play out the way we all hope it will. And the the, the massive likelihood is that Celtic do win the Scottish Cup. But Graeme Shinney was also part of that Aberdeen team that came so close on so many occasions to just about making those group stages. Um, and we just always fell that little bit short. And we're, we're talking now here on the presumption he will be here after summer. Let's not forget he is currently still on loan to us. I will be astonished if Graeme Shinney is not at Aberdeen Football Club next season. Um, 
if there um, are things I believe that need to be sorted out with Wigan in terms of his uh, contract status there because he's still under contract with Wigan. There's obviously all the administration issues with Wigan and the fact they've not paid their players and all that kind of shit. But let's just let's just say for argument's sake he will be an Aberdeen player in the summer. There will be something fitting about the fact that he will captain us into the group stages of Europe. It's just a natural fit. Graham Shinney, Aberdeen, captain of Armband. He should never have left. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, he went to Derby and he did well. He did do well. Um, and then he went to Wigan and on paper it seemed like a, a good kind of move because they were obviously top of League One and that was an option to go and win a league title. But it hasn't worked out there. And anyone that was at the sponsors dinner um, a few weeks ago will know that Graham Shinney does not have any fond feelings for Wigan. So <laughs> whoever, Sean Maloney still the manager there, isn't he? I think so, yeah. I can all but guarantee you that as soon as Graham Shinney goes back to Wigan, he will spend basically every other hour hanging on Sean Maloney's door or whoever the chairman is demanding his release because um, he's it's, he's not enjoyed it. And I think it's clear as day to anyone that Aberdeen is where he is where he belongs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Barry Robson. Now, we've been maybe a little bit critical about the style of play in recent weeks and perhaps some of the decision-making, but that can wait until next season when we see him build a team over the summer. But facts are facts. The job he's done since coming in cannot be overstated at all. 14 games played, nine wins, one draw, four defeats. Those defeats coming against Celtic, Sevco, and Hearts, all the way from home. Only one home defeat, which was the St. Mirren game, um, which, you know, Ross McGorry sent off in three minutes, and we've got a makeshift defence of Paul McDonald, who've literally only hand, shook hands with each other about 30 minutes before kickoff, probably. 21 goals scored, 12 conceded. Of those 12, seven of those came in the first three games of a spell in charge. So we've only conceded five goals in the remaining 11 games. When he came in, we were languishing in seventh. We were very much on a downward trajectory. It's fair to say a lot of us were concerned about us falling into a relegation scrap. That's how bad our form at that point was. We were 10 points adrift of Hearts in third. We will finish a minimum of two points clear of them after a remarkable turnaround. And also, let's not forget, Hearts could still finish fifth this season. Um, Robson deserves all of the plaudits under the sun. He's very reserved. He doesn't like to take the kind of um, the shine away from his players, but I was delighted that he decided just to take at least a small moment in front of the Red Shed last night just to soak up the atmosphere and then stood back from all. But he deserves all the praise coming to him right now. Barry Robson, Steve Agnew, Liam Fox, and and Craig Sampson, the the, the collect the collective management team, um, what they have done in such a relatively short period of time is is nothing short of remarkable. I I genuinely have been of the view that Robson was the man for quite some time. I believe that he will go on and have a very successful managerial career, but I think when it's all said and done. At the end of the day, brother, he will go some. He will go some way to to matching this achievement. <laughs> this is the because, problem, now, isn't it? Yeah, because it's it's absolutely like it's again just for a reminder for anyone that may have forgotten. We lost eleven nil on aggregate in our final two league games under Jim Goodwin, and we sandwiched that with a defeat to a junior team. What? There are no real words to, that, that I can uh, continue to use. It's just what he, what he's done is just incredible. Um, the, the recruitment, bringing the best out of the team, the players that he had, 
identifying, you know, the right positions for the right players. And all in that kind of little space of time as well, he's been able to galvanize and I think reestablish the connection between the fans and the club. And you felt that, especially in the last, not so much Hibs because of, you know, the nature of the performance, but, you know, the previous home game with Rangers. And then last night, you know, Pitaudry, I've, I've not known it to sound like this for a number of years. And I do feel that by Robson is a, is a key component in that success. I mean, to put it into perspective, if he was to continue in the vein in which he has, his, now obviously, small sample size, so let's not get too excited by it. But he's currently running at a 64% win rate in the league. Um, well, obviously in the league, it's always done. But when I look at my spreadsheet at the moment of the all-time AFC managerial records, if he was to continue on a 64% success rate, he would be the most successful manager in our history on that metric. Um, the closest to that would be Billy McNeil, I think, on 61%. Fergie then followed that up on 58%. It's, on one hand, it's kind of unsustainable and and he's almost created a rod for his own back with this. Um, it's But it's just, it's hard to put into words just what an incredible job this has been. And I know we've all had a big old laugh about hearts collapsing and falling apart. And I saw some tweets from hearts fans earlier on today about the fact that Aberdeen haven't earned this. Hearts have thrown it away. I fundamentally disagree about that. And I know I did a, a laugh about tweet about what was your favorite hearts collapse earlier on, but that was purely just to get a rise and hope we got a couple of quotes each from angry hearts fans. Um, we've earned this. You don't pick up 27 points in 14 games without earning, if, eh, sorry, 28 points in those 14 games without earning them. You earn every single one of those. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not been, off the top of my head, there's not been an easy walkover game that we've had in that, in that, in that whole time. And, you know, when you're a team that are in the sort of form we're in and when you're spent two years being terrible away from home especially, to then put what was it eight nine wins in a row? Can't exactly remember the B split sequence, but you know seven six eight nine wins in a row to just even give ourselves that opportunity. And then when it came down to the crunch game against Hearts, we blew them away, and we've just maintained it. And has the post split fixtures have they worked out the way that any of us really wanted? Not necessarily. You know, two defeats, a draw, and a win. It's not maybe what we all hoped for, but we've got the job done. Well, we gave ourselves the cushion, didn't we, come at the split to allow us to do that. And you have the mitigating factors of Shinny being out, McCrory being out, Duke's clearly not fit. Um, we don't have a lot of strength and depth. We've got a big squad, but... A lot of it's shite. <laughs> the quality's not quite there. Um, it's me being very pragmatic about it, Gav, compared uh -huh. to yourself. Um, you know, there was an element we spoke about last week about us maybe just stumbling over the line a little bit. We certainly didn't stumble over the line last night. We we did the job, which was amazing, and I'm so pleased that that happened that way because if there's one thing our football club have been well-renowned for, big crowd at home at Pataudry, and a game that means something, we have to really get a result out of it. How often do we just not do it? Well, especially when like everything's in our hands. like We yeah. control our own destiny. And then, you know, we go ahead and, and we fuck it. None of that. Uh, that's, that's down to Barry Robson. You know, Barry Robson, as a player, was a winner. I think he's going to demand a high level from his players. I think you've seen it already and just the way that he's made the team more aggressive and, and fitter in the, in the four months he's been here. 
Um, I'm really excited. Um, I know there's been chat about how we've played at times, but I believe that Robson looked at the team, looked at the squad, made a couple of last-ditch signings, and did what he needed to do to get us in a position where we could even challenge for third, never mind uh, finish Actually it. get it, yeah. By, by, some, by a fairly clear margin at the end. And now I'm interested to see, you know, when he's got an entire summer to plan out. And the good thing that I take um, a lot of encouragement from is that he's had, he's almost laid out the blueprint for himself as to what kind of team he needs to build. Yeah. It, that, it just needs to be something that's, you know, very competitive all over the pitch, difficult to score against, get some good size, good presence and experience in the back. And then, you know, be able to create an environment where you're more creative players can flourish. I think he's going to do wonders next year. The other thing as well that I think is important, and I don't think this, again, can be overstated, but it's perhaps gone under the radar a little bit. Um, Robson and Agnew and, and whoever else, they seem to have really forged a real proper team spirit and team ethic as well. Um, some people might say it's slightly unprofessional for our team to be out boozing until all hours last night when they have a game on Saturday. But you know what? The game on Saturday means absolutely nothing then. We'll come on to that later on. If You can see it in our team, in this squad, and that's why it's wrenching a little bit to know that a number of this squad will not be here next season. Um, there is a real camaraderie, a real team spirit in this squad. You can see it. I mean, even daft stuff like, you know, um, Shaden Morris shaving, doing Duke's hair for him in the dressing room the other day and stuff like that. I don't know. There's just something... I, I can see Robson being a really good man-manager from that perspective. He'll probably let the boys go and have a night out when it works. You know, he's... The good thing about Robson is Robson probably straddles two definitive eras of, of football. He'll straddle that era of the, the, the team that drinks together, wins together and all that stuff, but also into that kind of more modern era where it's all about the sports science and all that type of stuff. And so I think he's probably, from a man management perspective, excellent at that. And he'll let the players go and have a bit of, you know, let off a bit of steam and go and celebrate a big win. On the knowledge that when they get back into training, it is down to work, it's down to business. Get down to business. It's um and then you just he's had the wisdom to bring in experienced coaches around mm -hmm. him to offer up counterpoints and support him in his work. It's it was the fatal flaw of the previous two managers. Yeah, absolutely. And I really do hope that once Liam Fox has taken account and um, you know, offered up repentance for his contribution to Dundee United's relegation that he can <laughs> enjoy take satisfaction of the fact that he is going on a European tour next year. I think that was Jim Goodwin trying to take credit for Aberdeen finishing a third, to be honest. <laughs> uh, well, if it wasn't for that one bad week, maybe. But hey, that's how yeah. the dice... Uh, I did enjoy it. I don't think Liam Fox will be giving two hoots about mm -hmm. Dungeon being relegated, because as you say, he is on a European tour. Um, right. A last-minute editorial decision on this one. The chairman. There's a lot of kudos, in fairness to him. Dave Cormack. Now we've been critical of Dave from time to time and I know that that's not gone down well <laughs> from time to time but we've said it before um, our role sometimes is to kind of you know reflect the, the views of the average Joe in the in the stands and I think sometimes we try to do that but obviously sometimes we don't because of our incredible niche wrestling references which only land with about four people but never mind um, 
we've been critical about a number of things that have happened at the club since Dave took charge, but deserves credit over the last few days because ultimately we have ended up where we aspired to end up at the start of the season, which is to secure that third spot, given what we knew would be the potential riches on um I was going to say on show, not on show, but the potential riches that we could achieve as a result of doing so. We've stopped, perhaps more importantly, we stopped Hearts getting that guaranteed for the second year in a row, which could have potentially set them off on a path where they became a dominant third force within the Scottish game. Um, speculated, speculated to accumulate a little bit in the summer with some signings. Some of those were good, some of those not so good, but the ones who've been good have been really good. Um, and have helped push us over the line, made the decision belatedly, admittedly, to to change horses, Ben Goodwin, get Robertson in. Um, some of the stuff went around that, not ideal. The football monitoring board will never be forgotten. Um, the decision to appoint Alan Burrows, I think, is a masterstroke, and I think the club as a whole will feel the benefit of that for years to come. He has put his... When it's all said and done for all the things that we may criticise Dave Cormack about, I don't think any of us doubt his willingness and his 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 fandom of Aberdeen Football Club. And he has put in significant amounts of his own money. He has been able to find significant amounts of money from other people to put into the club, whether that's on the training ground, whether that's in helping us to get through the COVID stuff without coming out with like, debt to anybody. He deserves a lot of credit this week, doesn't he? This is a job that's been done. We've got there. He's put his money where his mouth is. We've reaped the rewards. Now we just need to kick on and, and really capitalise on this situation now. Well, that's the key. I mean, we don't want to be in a situation akin like hearts. to hearts where in 12 months' time we have blown it, quite simply. Um, this, yeah, we need to do what hearts didn't do and achieve this, you know, time and time again and and really just rack up that uh, that money, especially because it's it's enormous for a club size of ourselves. Um comes to the chairman, you know, um there's still there's a lot of things that he's he's done that um I think are entirely deserving and warranting uh the criticism that he's that he's faced. Um I think the decision still to take Jim Goodwin to Easter Road is, you know, I can't yeah. understand it for the life of me. Um and but the thing is what the board did do in that January was they recognized the weaknesses and the areas that needed to be improved and they backed maybe not necessarily the manager but they backed the club to be able yes. to 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 be able to change things around and um rather than going into a second half season with the same players expecting a different sequence of results we made dramatic changes he and the board the football monitoring board of course afforded by robson the ability to bring in steve agnew and then liam fox you know how often do you ever see caretaker manners being allowed to bring in outside yep. help? They are usually just have to work with um, existing Whatever staff. They and, you know, there's there's elements of the footballing structure that we've put in place over the last two years that have have reaped dividends. Uh, we don't achieve what we've achieved without, without Boyan Miofsky and without Duke, especially. Those are signs we didn't make under really any of the last managers I can really think of um, going back a number of years probably until Ebby where we were bringing more about players that he 
knew it wasn't really even, even more about exploring different markets. Um, it was just about him going to his tried and trusted. Uh, we've expanded our horizons and we've reaped the benefits. And when it's all said and done, yeah, you're absolutely right. We've we've done it. We've achieved part of our goal. And that was to make Aberdeen uh, respectable again and get us back in Europe. So, and in trying circumstances as well with them, um, with his health, health issues, um, I think you're absolutely right. It's what we called upon the decision to hire Alan Burrows to, to effectively run the club on the ground on a day-to-day basis will be an inspired move. Um, and I look forward to the future with those two at the helm. Indeed. All in all, Gav, <clears throat> Wednesday, the 24th of May, a pretty much perfect evening. Hearts falling apart. United down. Sefco didn't even have to win, but they still did us a favour anyway. Aberdeen back into Europe. Not sure if it gets much better than that. Um, yeah, a league that, win, a cup win, but apart from that, that um, it was a strange sensation celebrating Rangers goals. <laughs> but for the avoidance of doubt, I've always rated Todd Cantwell as a player. Todd Cantwell, uh, a proper player, definitely. Um, um, also equally hilarious the fact that um, Scott Bain threw two in the net for Celtic. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I was him, I'd be making sure that that contract has been filed. <laughs> that new three-year deal that he just signed. Because uh, did he? Yeah. Fucking hell. Well, I mean, it's classic third-choice goalkeeper. It doesn't really matter who the hell you are. I think third-choice goalkeeper must be the best job in the world at like a top-level professional team. Should up, just do a little bit of training. Immaterial. You're never going to play. Get a, exactly. probably, get, probably get a free seat at the ground. <laughs> Um, I, mean, I mean, like, yeah. what, Chelsea have had, like, Rob Green and Mark Schwartzer. Scott Carson, he's still a Man City? I think he's still a Man City. These guys, like, their accountants must just look at it and think, like, who's this one million pounds? Like, who's that going to? This surely must be a money laundering scheme. <laughs> what is it? Rob Green? Oh, huh? okay, fair enough. Yeah, anyway, we digress. Um, yeah, uh, uh, all but United being automatically and mathematically relegated. I think it's funnier that they're not quite there, think, but they've all had to accept the fact they're there. Like Jim Goodwin tried to play like the kind of, well, you oh, know. Did you, um, <laughs> have you seen the United fan, like the vlogger? I can't remember I don't know what his name is, but he spoke to Birigiti outside the ground. I've, I've seen that it exists. I haven't watched it yet, but it looks funny. If anyone has can remember that time on whatever news channel was where um, Matt Hancock tried to oh, top the tier. I, yeah, yeah. And it clearly didn't work. That is himself, Mark Birigi. <laughs> that is Mark, Mark Birigi. All, all well in the background just thinking, just knowing he's going back to surf in Australia next year. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Like, no one in the show is going to know how bad he's been, right? So he'll probably get a gig at like a, an A-League side, no doubt. And yeah, it'll be worse. I enjoy Matt Carl talking about this a lot. He's like, he put, uh, Mark, Matt's an avid A-League watcher. And he was just like, <laughs> the one thing I would always say is never take a goalkeeper from the A-League. Like just anywhere else, maybe not a bad shit. Goalkeepers, absolutely not. Um. Anyway, on the top down, the solar system had the vote between Clarkson Scales, McCrory, and Shinny um, Liam Scales. One point five percent of the vote. Ross McCrory, two point eight percent of the vote. I think that's probably the lowest vote share that the bottom two have come in any of the votes this season. Leighton Clarkson, I feel, has been done a dirty forty point seven percent of the vote, but the winner on fifty five percent. Graeme Shinney, Gav, your thoughts? Who was your top Dolan? Um, I'll take the view of Graeme Steele since he's not here. I'll vote with the people. Graeme Shinney. Vote with the people. There we go. 
I'm gonna go with my gut, as substantial as it is. Uh, it is Leighton Clarkson. He was brilliant. Yes, Graham Shinnie gets all of the plaudits for the goals, the celebrations, everything about it. Um, Clarkson was sensational yesterday, I thought, and the uh, the goal brilliant helps settle the nerves down. And I'm hoping that by doing so, that means that Leighton will decide to sign a three-year contract to Aberdeen Football Club next week and we can sell them for gazillions and gazillions in the future. Anyway, Gav, is that enough about that? That'll do for now. Shall we move on? You've taken a team into Europe. <laughs> yes, we have. Oh, oh, oh yes, we have. That means we move on. On to other news from AB24 this week. Uh, in terms of news since the weekend, not a lot. The only real piece of interest was the news that Blair McKenzie had signed a contract extension with the club that sees him remain at the Dons until 2025. 17-year-old defender who joined Aberdeen from Hutchinson Vale in 2021. He joins Alfie Bavage in committing his immediate future to the Dons. For me, another decent piece of business. Uh, left side of centre-half, he's done well. This season's attracted interest from across the UK, including from Crystal Palace, I think it was, who were heavily rumoured to be interested in him after having a, an impressive season under 18 level this season. So it's good to see as well that we're starting to tie down some of our young players as well and to extend the deals to make sure that we can reap the benefits, hopefully, when all is said and done. On to Lone Watch, uh, Conor McLennan came off the bench for the final two minutes. Uh, St. Johnson drew 3-3 in a thriller in Dingwall, which means Dungeon United are not quite automatically down, but pretty much as good as they need. What is it, a nine-goal turnaround, I think it is? That sounds right, yes. <clears throat> um, and so stop the Kevin Van Veen train. Indeed. Looking forward to the Kevin Van Veen train arriving at Platform 5, Aberdeen Railway Station. <laughs> and I think, Gav, will that do us for this half? Yes, thank you. That, anytime you make a train sound, that's the time to call it a day. Indeed it is. Join us on the other side where we'll bring you our preview of Saturday's trip to Parkhead. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street. Aberdeen Siberia Bar like us all are praying for European nights this summer with the end of the season looming and the prospect of a big summer at Pataudry on the horizon make a night of it by visiting the bar pre and post match grabbing some cheap drinks using the ABZ pod discount and even better stay in the hotel after a big night of celebrations and get 15% off your stay in the hotel by booking direct to Siberia Bar Hotel and using the code ABZPOD Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to our preview of the game on Saturday, just want to give a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including GMAC. Is that Graham McDowell? Could be. Bet he's and not a big fan. Definitely. And Stug1903. Stug. Stug1903. Good guy. Is he a fan of the Sopranos? The Stuggets? The Stuggett? That was Tony Soprano's boat, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. Hang on. Sarah, it's Tony Soprano's boat, the Stugat. Stugat. Yeah. Stugat. Yeah. I, I must say, I did enjoy the thread of Sopranos related GIFs and videos on Twitter regarding ah. the Aberdeen game. That was pretty sensational, especially Polly as Matty Pollock dressing down <laughs> Jaden Richards. 
Yeah, delightful. <laughs> anyway, um, we see you. Your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help us keep fueled in beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. Link is in the description. Shout us a beer, a coffee, a cerveza, if we're going on a, a wee Spanish tour possibly later this year. Yeah. But hey, there we go. Por, fa- por favor. Grande. <laughs> Grossa. <laughs> anyway, on to the Celtic preview. Let's be honest. Who gives a shit dons versus celtic on saturday lunchtime for the deadest of dead rubbers imaginable nothing for either side to play for presumably our team might have got out the pub in time for half past 12 on saturday i'm imagining we're going to be resting up a lot of our players maybe an opportunity for some fringe players to get a run out a farewell um matt kennedy obviously hinting uh, last night that he's definitely off which graham is not displeased about um, and I imagine we might just kid glove it a little bit as well to make sure that you know Celtic don't have any major injuries ahead of their cup final which we desperately need them to win what a weird week it's been having to hope that Rangers did us a favour and Celtic do but there we go let's not bother our scav too much with a preview we're not going to do stats and analysis of this <laughs> prediction I'll just give my little uh, two cents on it I mean if the word formality is <laughs> very apropos when it comes to this game, I genuinely believe that what should just happen is Callum McGregor and Graham Shinney like flip a coin. Yeah, and just or maybe we could, like stream like a live like FIFA game of Shinney and McGregor <laughs> going at well, it. Um something like that. I mean it's all the very, just go to the pub, maybe just set up a few deck chairs on the pitch, a couple of tinnies. It's very rare that there's a game where there's genuinely nothing on the line. And it, the result will not affect anything <laughs> else in the it's, league. It's the bizarre thing I was thinking about this morning. There's a very real chance that for the very first time in my life ever, I will know Aberdeen are on, or I can watch Aberdeen, but I'm actively going to probably watch Hearts versus Hibs instead because there's literally nothing happening at Parkhead. I am, um, yeah, I, I, I expect that we'll play a, a fringe team. Um, maybe, like you say, I mean, for all that it matters, we could play Mark Kennedy and Jack McKenzie at centre half, and I'd be okay with it. Yeah, um, who cares? Because yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, does Celtic, does Celtic get the trophy on Saturday? If they Celtic got it, get present with the trophy. No, they'll, they'll so get I mean, from that perspective, would it be funny to go down and kind of spoil their party a little bit? Yeah, but if I had to like pick a time to beat Celtic at Celtic Park, is this the time I'd pick for it? Not really. Um. Yeah, I'll save format. it in the bank for later. An absolute formality, something we just have to get through. I mean, I I hope we do just kind of rest all the the big players because you know you don't want absolute worst case scenarios that someone gets hurt in a meaningless fixture like this. So, uh, yeah, let's just get through it. But yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do you want a venture prediction? <laughs> um, I suspect both teams will play fringe teams, and Celtic's fringe players will play better than ours. So three 0 Celtic. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, Celtic nil, Aberdeen won Aberdeen will somehow uh, poop the party with a result Shaden Morris will score his only goal for Aberdeen Football Club in this game nah. assisted by Patrick Mislovich nah. um, because we're not going to do predictions we're not going to do Celtic preview how about a quick listener's corner if it's quick okay let's do a quick one so we put it out earlier on what do you want to talk about uh, Johnny Main who do you want us to draw in the Europa, Europa League playoff round do you want the easiest tie or the best destination this is obviously presuming ICT win uh, don't win the cup um, I was pretty gutted that we didn't get to go to Iceland during the Covid spell when we got Bridal League so I'd love a team from Iceland 
Okay, but easiest in Europa League playoff round, easiest tie or best destination? Oh, in the Europa League. Well, yes. you want, well, you want to get through the group. Easiest so tie, clearly, the whatever the best stage. tie is, it's going to be insanely difficult, whoever is in that stage. But, um, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe you not. Want... I mean, like, Hearts got Zurich and they're pish. Well, yeah, but so are Hearts. Yeah. Uh, we had the debate last night, Gavin. So that question about now, do you save pennies at playoff round as well? Pennies and pounds because you're going to have three guaranteed group stage fixtures to do. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Andy Maka at Maka87. How steaming do you think the players will still be at 12.30 on Saturday? I mean, they were definitely getting tucked into the Madry in the dressing room. And I imagine it's what? It's nine o'clock on Thursday evening now. Uh, and they I were, one they or were two all were out probably, in town last night as well. So One or two of them are probably still out. Vinny Bajewin's probably fucked. I am hoping that they all just turn up to sit in hospitality at Parkhead on Saturday, having had a four-day bender. All wearing sunglasses and like ties that are just like undone. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Here we go. Uh, Chidi at Finaquali. Should we put Goodwin in charge for a final game? So there's absolutely no chance of us injuring any Celtic players ahead of the Scottish Cup final. Uh, go a step better and put Charlie Mulgrew in, in charge <laughs> I don't want to see Jim Goodwin in charge of our club ever again so it's a no for me Chidi but I like the suggestion well Jim Goodwin's going to be too busy masterminding the recovery of all recoveries and keeping United in the league can you imagine if they did can you just imagine no I can't no neither can I funnily enough Emma at Emma TMSN which I presume is short for Thompson Barry fucking Robson but really, I don't think it could be overstated what a monumental shift had to take place in that dressing room for us to go from where we were to where we are. Is this the start of something really special under Robson? It's the first time post-early days, McInnes, where I felt that way. Yep, I think so. I think we could be, if recruitment goes well in the summer. Um, I'm interested to see what Robson does do now with getting to build a squad and maybe develop a little bit of a, a style and a, a, a view about how he's going to play. I think it's been very much a case of what you touched on earlier on, Gav. Um, needs must in this 14 games. Let's see where we get to. It's going to be interesting. Barry keeps on saying he's been spending the last eight years developing how he thinks the game should be played. Let's see where we get to. Andrew Shearer at Andrew I. Shearer. <laughs> Discussed Cali winning the Scottish Cup. It would be the most Aberdeen thing of Aberdeen things to happen. I mean, again, it, it feels a little bit weird to be going into a Scottish Cup final where one of the old firm is facing up against a team from you know, uh, out with themselves, obviously, and be actively supporting the team playing in the green and white hoops. Indeed. But, right, needs, gonna... but yeah, needs must. So, sorry, Kelly. Let's, gonna... let's rattle through this quickly. Let's rattle through this. Gareth at Death on Credit Zero. What do we do with all the extra revenues? Until we Euro money reliably, we're probably not going to tear up the wage structure, although it looks like we might be. Um, so do we just save it for a rainy day? Nah, Davey's building a new pool. I mean, I mean, are we going to pretend that not someone's not going to get ring fenced for that imaginary stadium? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Hardy at Brora's eighty three. What exactly did United think they were in? Quote marks pursuit of hilarity. The championship, as it turns out, I think. I, I, I but not still, the championship. I still, I mean, I, I know you said we rattle this quite quickly, but I still cannot for the life of me fathom what he was thinking going to that club <laughs> I don't understand either I, he'd have been better off just sitting taking his pay off chances stop, are wouldn't have been that low chances are chances are they were going to go down anyway yeah go in the summer rebuild them from the championship do not be the man that takes them down and leave whatever reputation you had left in absolute fucking tires um in 
addition to oh we'll go to that later on. Um here's one for you, Gav. Um Mrs. JR Math at JR Math09. But for signing Pollock, Clarks and Shinny and Scales on a permanent deal, is their mileage in taking them back until Christmas or are we better looking to replace them permanently? Having European experience surely improves their profile for their parent club's benefit. Um, let me know if, as it pertains to those players, I would love to sign every single one of them on a permanent contract. Never mind us uh, a deal until Christmas. Um, if it was possible, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think, as mentioned earlier, it would be the worst they did to just kind of overload the squad in the first six months just to handle the schedule, and then you can take stock in January and work out who you want to keep. Um, uh, those players, though, much more than Christmas, I'd be keeping them on 20 year deals if I could. Alan Stoby at Stoby79. So Alan um, picked us up around the week about the fact that we hadn't done Don's... Uh, we didn't have interviews of Don's personalities of the present. Um, he felt that the Alan Burroughs one was the first one we'd done. And as a player, that wasn't the case. So um, in addition to him missing interviews with Don's personalities of present, I've also missed two key pieces of information from this season. How the Chaps thing came about, number one, which I think came off of the Red TV interview that Boyan and Ilva Ramadani did at the very start of the season where they were basically told, what English have you picked up since you've been here? And it was like, the Japs. That was it. So no more to that. And then also how the Keith story came about. Even if you could just point me in the, the right direction for the latter. Have we ever expanded about the Matty Pollock-Keith thing on here? Um, I just don't think some sort of randomly running in-joke. I think we've just continually... Uh, implied that Matty Pollock enjoys the scenery of Keith. Do we want to go any further on that right now? No, no. No, keep the mystery. Uh, yeah, okay, leave the memories alone. Grant Heath at Grant Heath 95 asks, how much of today have you spent laughing at Dungeon United and more specifically at the easy to fix defence for Mr. Goodwin? It's almost past the point of being funny. <laughs> I think I'm actually now at the point of just feeling almost pity. There is the part of me will miss them because United's a good away day. And it's easy, and having two trips to Dundee in a season is a lot better than having to go to Kilmarnock. Um, um, yeah, there's there's been there's an amount of sympathy pain because I know what it's like when your team is full of absolute charlatans. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but at the, at the end of the day, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's funny, funny that they've gone down again, again. Yeah. And, and and just the fact that how blase their owner was earlier in the season about how it yeah. doesn't really matter if they go down. It's like. Yes, it does. I know it's easy. It's not easy to come out of that league. You know that. We've seen plenty of teams struggle. United, Jesus, the last time they were down, how long did it take them to get back up? Four seasons? Um, yeah. Um, funny is what that is. Uh, left Peggers at Left Peggers asks, odds of ICT distressing us all with an upset. I can't see it. I can't see it happening. Um, but Celtic, it Celtic have basically taken the month off to prepare for it. Yeah, which might be a problem, but never mind. Um... Robin at Robonoff, Cybernat, uh, this is a long question. Are there any players in the Scottish Premier League you'd like us to see a sign? I'd have taken the boy Yuan from Hibs, but I see he's just saying a new deal. I think we'll come on to that in the, the end of season stuff. Mutton Man at Mutton Man 1983 is Clarkson signing or any loan boys we've touched on this earlier on. Um, in fact, we only have, really have one centre half on the books for next season, assuming our former captain is gone for good. That's probably fair enough. Um, People are not looking forward to an Angus McDonald Tony Stewart partnership next year, right? Yeah, yeah. Massive defensive rebuild needed in particular. Confirmed if Shinny signs, we need a new Clarkson and depth as minimum. This is, I'm not seeing a question in here. <laughs> this is like that Falkirk AGM. One of those, again. Yep, yep. Lots of statements and no questions. 
there's lots of stuff in there, Martin Man. We'll come on to that later on. But you're right. We need to sign a lot of players in the defensive area of the park. I think it's fair to say. Um, <clears throat> Scott Andy 68 asks, what really happened on the bus after the 5 0 hammering by St Johnston? Oh. Well, I think well, I nothing mean... happened after because the rumours are all about what happened before. And various people you've spoken to say nothing happened. Nothing happened. So, who knows? The truth is out there. Mulder and Scully can investigate that on the X-Files. Uh, last one for me tonight, because there's another, another couple, but we'll, we'll cover them later on. Stephen Davidson asks you, Gav, for caption contest. So this is Jim Goodwin. Those, yes, those who and, cannot see what we can see, it is James Goodwin and Derek McInnes on the touchline doing the footballer manager thing with their hands or covering their mouths. At that point, a little chat. At that point, uh, United were three 0 down to Kilmarnock. What were they talking about? Tanning beds. <laughs> yeah, quite possible. What Who tanning? Knows? What tanning bed they've got at their house? Bless them, the pair of them. Well, you know, Deke came out the winner in the end, as he usually did against United. <laughs> this is absolutely true. He really did. Did another big number on them. Anyway, there we go. Is that enough? I'll do for another week. That'll do us. Hopefully, Graham will be back on Sunday to give us our third wheel back again. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you do in your podcast player of choice. Join us next week at some point for episode 107. We'll, re- we'll review the game against Celtic. That'll be interesting because I probably won't be watching it. Um, a- we'll bring- AKA, we will bring you the score. Yeah, and we'll bring you... Let's do it, Gav, because we're going to have to pad out next week. Let's bring you the latest in our line of exclusive interviews. Who's going to go into the hopper for next week? Um, well, people demanded Craig Ignat and we said we would bring Craig Ignat and then we never brought Craig Ignat. So, That's true. But do we do Craig Ignat or do we do Fernando Pasquinelli? Oh, Fernando. You know what? Fernando's fitting because he fucked over Celtic at Parkhead. He did. Let's put Fernando in. Yep. Pasquinelli is in for next week. It's a it's a doozy. Um, looking forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!